five this morning. We'll be in verse seven, picking up right where we left off. We're working our way through Hebrews, a few verses at a time. If you ever miss any and care to go back and find these, you can find them online. You can find them anywhere you get. You listen to podcasts on your phone. You can find Enterprise Baptist Church, or you can go to our church website if you ever care to try to catch a sermon that you missed. But today we'll be in Hebrews chapter 5. I'm, I'm glad I know where I'm at because last night I dreamed that I got to church and I couldn't remember anything. I didn't have my Bible. I didn't have a note. I didn't have any idea what chapter, what book I was preaching. I was panicking. And I said, well, my iPad's in my mom's car and she'll be coming to church soon and I can get it out of there and then I'll at least know what I'm doing. And I was standing up here and y'all were looking at me and I was scared to death. And so... Praise the Lord, at least. I'm still scared. I'm always scared when I preach. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But, but praise the Lord, at least I know what book and what chapter we're in this morning. So with the Lord's help, we are going to dig into God's Word and, and learn something today. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. We, we see and we talked about last week that the writer of Hebrews is really wanting to get into this topic of Jesus being the high priest, and, and he's going to really get into it in, in chapter 7, and we're kind of getting some glimpses of that. We're kind of we're getting a little bit of that, and we talked about that last week, the importance of Jesus being our high priest, and that he's a better high priest than the high priest that we see in the Old Testament, that Jesus has offered a better sacrifice, a sacrifice that is sufficient once and for all, far greater than any sacrifices in the Old Testament. Jesus is both our high priest and he is the sacrifice, not just the one who offers the sacrifice, but one who offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. And so that's a little bit of background leading up to these passages we're going to look at today. And they're still talking about Jesus here. When we talk about this first verse here, we're still talking about Jesus. So let's read through these verses, then we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And God, we need you to be with us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us. Each one of us, I pray that you would help me to preach and teach in a way that brings glory and honor to you, dear Lord. Take away any nerves or any pride that may be in my heart, dear Lord, that all that is spoken today is for your glory. I pray that everything we hear today is for your glory. Everything that we take out of here today, God, is from you, that you are the one who speaks to us this morning. God, perhaps what we need to hear, and no doubt what we need to hear is in your word, but maybe this morning, God, there is something that somebody needs to hear today. And God, I pray that they would pay attention to these words that we just read, God, that you would speak to us. Maybe there's something that we need that's right here in these words, and I pray that you'd get it. God, you know where we are, you know what we need, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just help me to preach and teach this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 7 says, 
during his earthly life, or in his flesh, some of your translations may say. Now, this is important. We've, we've seen this idea in Hebrews and, and through Scripture. It's very important that we recognize a couple of things about Jesus. One, he is the Son of God. There's no doubt about that. We see that throughout Scripture. But then we're also reminded that he was fully human. He was fully in the flesh. So not only does the author of Hebrews remind us that, that Jesus is God's Son, but, but there's also that reminder that Jesus was in the flesh. And we have seen the importance of that up to this point through the book of Hebrews, that Jesus was in the flesh. And because he was in the flesh, and because he suffered as we did, he was fit to serve as our, our high priest because he was like us in every way. He suffered, and yet he was unlike us in every way. And that in his suffering, he was obedient, and yet he was without sin. So he's fully the Son of God, but he's fully human. In the flesh, Jesus had suffering. In the flesh, there were difficulties in Jesus' life, but Jesus was obedient until death, and he was perfect in every way. He was without sin. And so the author of Hebrews reminds us of Jesus' humanity, reminding his audience here, hey, Jesus can relate to you. Jesus understands. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't turn to anything or anyone other than Jesus because it is Jesus who knows your trouble, and he has overcome your struggles. The same kind of things that you struggle with, Jesus struggled with, yet he overcame. And so if you want to overcome, you can find victory in the work of Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh to do the work and the will of the Father, and he succeeded in perfectly doing that work in every way. So, in his earthly life or in his flesh, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Now, there's some disagreement as to perhaps what this is referencing here. The one that comes to my mind instantly, and perhaps the correct uh, uh, understanding of what this is referencing, uh, is when Jesus prayed in the garden. Now, Jesus prayed to God all the time. Perhaps he prayed with loud cries and tears on multiple occasions. But yet there's one instance that's very, that's very well known, and some of you may know it, but there's this instance right before Jesus is going to go to the cross that he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he begins to pray to God. He really prays to God with all of his heart. He cries out to God, and his sweat, his sweat was like drops of blood, it says. In Luke chapter 22, verse 22, here's Jesus' prayer. It says, Father, if you are willing to take this cup away from me. Now, what's the cup that he's speaking of there? Well, what Jesus is about to experience is great suffering that is going to lead to death on the cross. That's the cup that Jesus is about to have to drink from. Jesus knows what is coming. He knows that he has come to do the will of the Father. He knows what his purpose is and what his job is, but he also knows that it is going to be difficult. Here's a good example for us. When we're going into something that we know is going to be difficult, Praying to God is the good, good place for us to start. That we pray to God and that we say what Jesus said. Okay, your will be done, Father. So he says, look, I pray that this cup would pass from me. Let's continue on. Uh, verse 42, kind of the middle of verse 42. Nevertheless, not, why we, not my will be done, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling 
to the ground. Now, when I read these words in Hebrews about, about Jesus praying and offering up prayers and tears to the one who was able to save him, I can't help but think about this prayer of Jesus in the garden. And so here we see this, this author of Hebrews is telling us, okay, Jesus was fully human, and what did he do? He prayed to the Father. As Jesus walked this earth, Jesus desired to be obedient to the Father in every way. He desired to follow the will of the Father in every way. And he continually prayed to God. This is a good, a good thing for us to make note of and to think about as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at this passage today. Do we seek God in such a way? Are we following that example of Jesus that, that whatever we are up against in our life, whatever decisions we are going to have to make, whatever we are going through, are we seeking the will of God and praying fervently to God with all of our heart and, and willing that when God speaks or when God shows or when God leads, that wherever he leads or whatever he speaks to us, even if it may not be what we want to hear, that we are willing to say, yes. Lord. Jesus is always seeking the will of the Father. He's always praying to God. He's always wanting to do what God leads him to do, and that's what you and I need to be doing in our life. We need to make sure that we are praying to God over the decisions we make and the things we do and the things that we struggle with and know that the God we pray to hears us. What does it say in Hebrews? It said he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Isn't that beautiful that God hears us? It says here that Jesus was heard. What does it mean, heard? Well, we can hear things, but sometimes just to hear things is one thing. But in this sense, I don't believe it's just saying God heard him. But it's a heard in the sense that God heard and God answered. God responded to the request that Jesus had made. We see the same Greek word used in Luke chapter 1 verse 13. There's a guy named Zechariah. And his wife's kind of old and they're wanting a child. And obviously he had been praying for a child. And in Luke chapter 1 verse 13, an angel comes to him and says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard meaning that God's going to give you what you are asking for. Now, here we see that Jesus prayed to the one who was able to save him from death, and it says his prayers were heard. But some of you may be saying, well, wait a minute. Jesus did die on the cross. So, so what are we to make of that? If, if Jesus' prayers were heard, he prayed to the one who was able to save him from death, and his prayer was heard, yet Jesus still died. Well, in some sense, yes, Jesus did die. He certainly died. He completely died a death. But he, in another sense, was delivered from death. He was delivered from death through death. Now, on the surface, that doesn't really make any sense. But God didn't leave Jesus in the grave, praise the Lord. Jesus did die on the cross. We're not denying that Jesus died on the cross. He fully died in every way, and he had to, to be the sacrifice for our sins, but the, but the beautiful thing about Jesus is that death did not get the final say. He died. He certainly died. But it was through the death of Jesus that Jesus was delivered from death, that Jesus conquered death. Because after he died and was laid in the grave for three days and three nights, God raised him to life. We see a, kind of a similar idea or similar language 
in John chapter 11. Now, in John chapter 11, there's a story of a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus. And at the beginning of the, of the chapter, toward the beginning there, Jesus gets news that Lazarus is sick. But Jesus doesn't go immediately to check on Lazarus. In John chapter 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this is interesting. Jesus knows Lazarus is sick. He doesn't instantly go to Lazarus. He could have if he'd have wanted to. Jesus could have healed Lazarus of any sickness right there on the spot. But instead, he delays for a few days. And he says, this sickness will not end in death. But then as we continue reading through the story, the news comes that, guess what? Lazarus has died. Now, wait a minute. Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, yet Lazarus died. But death didn't get the final say. There was something that God was going to do through that death, something that was going to be beautiful and magnificent that was going to be for the glory of God. And as we continue reading in John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, it says, this is after Lazarus had died and been put in the grave, that they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. So here, Jesus is talking about this fact that he prays to God and that God has heard his prayer. And not just on one occasion, but on all occasions that the Father has heard him. And Jesus said, look, this, didn't, this occurred, God, so that people could give you glory. All of this that's occurring, so that, so that people could know that you hear me, dear Lord, that I pray to you, that I call to you. God, that, that there's a special relationship between you and I, that you're a God who can be prayed to, that you're a God who listens. Jesus said, I know that, Father. I know you. I know that you listen. I know that you hear. I know that you respond but so that these people will know this has taken place. Now, Lazarus died, but the sickness did not end in death. Yes, he died momentarily, but the sickness ended in the glory of God, that he was raised from the dead. And so perhaps this helps us as we think about that story, the story of Jesus Christ, who certainly died on the cross, but his story did not end in death. His story ended in the magnificent resurrection. It ended in the glory of God, that God is great, that God sent His only Son, that the Son was willing to give His life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And once He had completed His perfect work on the cross, death did not have the final say. God had the final say. And Jesus was resurrected. And to Him be the glory today. We come this morning and we praise God and we give God the glory and we thank God for Jesus Christ. And so here the author of Hebrews says, Hey, in the flesh, Jesus prayed to the one who was able to save him from death, and his prayer was heard. He was saved from death through death. God has the ultimate say and the ultimate victory through Jesus Christ over death. And what does it say in verse 7 of, of Hebrews? It says he was heard because of what? Because of his reverence. Now, when Jesus prayed to God, he prayed with the right 
heart. Do you and I always pray with the right heart? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Sometimes our heart's not really in it. Sometimes we just utter words. Sometimes the things we're praying for maybe are not things that we should be praying for. Maybe our motives are not always right. Maybe our prayers are kind of selfish. There may be a lot of things that we do in our prayer life that that really are not from a good heart. And we need to pray that God would help us to have a good heart. Now, sometimes we're having a bad day, and sometimes we need to check our motives, and sometimes we need to say, okay, God, I need you to help transform my heart because I want my heart to be right for you, God. I want to I seek you with all my heart. I want to I be right, dear Lord. I want to be righteous. I want to I be one who seeks you and loves you, but sometimes, God, I, I get in the way. My own human desires and sins get in the way, so God, forgive me of those things. Maybe our prayer needs to be that we can pray like Jesus, that we would be those who... Who, who come to God and we pray with a right heart, with reverence, that, that, we, that we genuinely seek the will of God, that we genuinely want to know what God has to say. Maybe sometimes we don't pray to God because we don't want to hear what he has to say because we're afraid he might say what we don't like to hear. But we need to pray to God and we need to say, okay, God, I'm coming to you because you are God and I'm a sinner and I'm struggling, and God, I know you hear, and so God, I pray that you would hear, and that you would listen, and that you would respond, and that you would help me, but in every way, dear Lord, whatever I pray, even if my motives aren't right, God, your will be done, that our prayers would be reverent, and out of love for God, with a desire to do his will, and to do what he calls us to do in every way, and that's what Jesus does here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, in the beginning of this passage in chapter 7 that we looked at, it talked about Jesus in the flesh. And here we are reminded, hey, he's also the son of God. He was in the flesh. He did his work in the flesh. He carried out what God called him to do. But hey, don't forget, he's also the son of God. But listen to what he says here. He says, Though he was the son of God, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, this is, this is kind, of a, kind of a tricky one, too. We had that idea of death that, that he was heard when he prayed to be saved from death. Well, that, that one we kind of worked through. And here we have another kind of tricky thing that we have to work through in verse 8. It says that he learned obedience. Now, maybe kind of our mind instantly goes to, well, wait a minute, to learn obedience may imply that there is some type of disobedience. After all, that's the way that you and I have all had to learn obedience because we have been disobedient. And we begin to learn those lessons as a, at, at a young age, as a child. We do things that we are not supposed to do. Our parents say, don't do this, and we do it. Our parents say, do this, and we don't do it. And when we are disobedient, I don't know about nowadays, but years ago, you used to get a whipping. When you were disobedient, you learned obedience usually through some type of discipline. You learn, okay, I don't need to do that. I need to do this. And when I do what I'm not supposed to, well, there are consequences that come from that. And so maybe at just a first glance, if you've never read the Bible much or not sure you read things like this, and you say, hey, wait a minute, Jesus learned obedience. Does that mean at some point he was disobedient? Absolutely not. Jesus was perfect in every way. The author of Hebrews has already told us that Jesus was without sin. 
And so we know that Jesus was not disobedient. It's not that Jesus had lived his whole life and had barely gotten through and hadn't really been obedient to the Father, but, but there at the end, he finally figured it out. He learned it. Nope, that's not what the author of Hebrews is saying whatsoever. And it's clear through the Scripture that Jesus was obedient from beginning to end. He always desires to do the will and the work of the Father. Always. That's what Jesus always desires to do. He is obedient from the get-go. So it says that Jesus learned obedience, but, but not in the same way that you and I learn obedience. Perhaps what it's saying is Jesus learned obedience in a different way. Jesus certainly knew what it meant to be obedient from from, from eternity, Jesus knew what it meant to be obedient, but he lived out that obedience. That's the importance of his earthly ministry, is that Jesus lived out that obedience. He fully knew what obedience was, because when he came in the flesh and when he was tested in every way as you and I are, Jesus knew what it meant to be obedient. That's when the rubber meets the road. Now, all of us can know the right thing to do, but until we are in a situation where we have to make a choice as to whether or not we are going to do it or not, well, there's no way to know. We can all be told this is wrong and that is wrong, but what are you going to do when the situation is before you? Are you going to tell that lie? Are you going to steal? Any number of things. So Jesus came, and Jesus had all of these things before him in life, is he going to be obedient to God and everything that comes before him? When he starts his ministry and, and Satan comes to tempt him, is he going to be obedient? Absolutely, he's going to be obedient. He was obedient from the beginning all the way to the end. And everything that Jesus encountered, he was obedient in every way. He fully knew what it meant to be obedient because he was obedient from birth until death on the cross. Jesus learned what it means to be obedient. And how does it say he learned that? It says in verse 8 that though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now that's a, that's a tough thing, suffering. We don't, we don't like to suffer. Not a single person in here, I wouldn't think, likes to suffer. But in some ways, that's how God draws us to him. That's how God strengthens us. That's how God gets us to call out to him and to trust in him is sometimes God allows us to suffer. And that, that, that kind of seems strange, right? Why doesn't God just, just make everything good all the time? He could, he could do that, but, but oftentimes it's in our struggles and in our pains and in our suffering that we call out to God all the more. It's, it's in our suffering that we realize just how much we need God. If, if everything was good all the time and we never had any trouble, do you think we would call on God? Maybe for a while, but pretty soon we'd probably stop. I think that's evident because things in life are bad. What do we do? We pray to God, we seek God, we call out to God. But sometimes when our life begins to get good, things begin to get smooth, sometimes we kind of forget about God. We don't pray as much as we used to. We don't get into the Word as much as we used to. But, but as soon as that tragedy strikes or that suffering comes, what do we do? We're back in the Word of God. We're back on our knees. And sometimes God uses that suffering to help us draw, draw us to Him. Sometimes he uses that suffering to help strengthen us in him, even in the story of Job in the Old Testament. Job was a righteous man, but 
Even still in his suffering, God used that to draw Job closer to him. And even though Jesus was the Son of God, even though Jesus was the Son of God, he did not escape sufferings. There is, there is one thing that we can be sure of in this world, is that uh, suffering is inevitable. There is nobody in here who is going to escape it. You have not escaped it to this point in your life, and you're not going to escape it for the rest of your life. Suffering is inevitable. But how do we respond in that suffering? How did Jesus respond? He didn't give up on God. He didn't say, God, why don't you just make this better? God, if you can't make this better, if you don't make this better, then I'm done with you, God. No, Jesus knew that even in suffering, God knew what he was doing. Even in allowing this plan to unfold the way that it did in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ through his suffering and his death, he knew that this was the plan of God and the plan of God was perfect. And sometimes in our life we don't understand why the suffering has come and when it will end or if it will win, but we need to know that God is with us and he has not abandoned us. Even in our suffering he is with us and we need to remain obedient to him. And sometimes we pray and we pray earnestly and we pray with reverence. We pray from a right heart that God would answer our prayer and that God would deliver us from our sufferings and sometimes God delivers us from our sufferings, praise God. But sometimes he delivers us from our suffering by delivering us through our sufferings. Sometimes in the midst of our sufferings, they end in death. And we may say, why didn't God answer our prayers? We prayed that God would deliver this person, and yet they died. But maybe God did answer our prayers. Maybe God didn't give them a miraculous healing in this world, but perhaps God said, I hear your prayer. I'm going to free them from the suffering. I'm going to deliver them from the suffering, and I'm going to deliver them through death. And we're sad about that in some way, but yet we also rejoice in that because death does not have the final say. Because Jesus Christ has the final say because he has conquered death. So even if our suffering ends in death, which leads to our deliverance to be in the presence of God, even then sometimes God answers our prayers in ways that we do not understand. But even in death we rejoice because we don't, we don't weep like those who have no hope. We rejoice because we have hope in Jesus Christ. And even though Jesus was the Son of God, he still suffered. And we need to remember in our life that God has not forgotten us. Even though we are just sinful human beings, God has not forgotten us. And if Jesus Christ suffered, then there is going to be suffering in our life. It's inevitable. But in the midst of our suffering, how are we responding? Are we seeking God? Sometimes we get angry with God. Don't be angry with God today, but seek God and listen to God. And know it's hard to understand. You may not, you may not understand it at all. But sometimes even in the midst of the worst parts of life, God's going to use it for good. And some of you probably have stories of times that you went through that you thought were the worst thing that could possibly ever happen, and it may have been. But I bet you some, some of you today could give a testimony to say, but I made it through. I never thought I'd make it through. I never thought it would be good. But let me tell you how God has delivered me. 
Keep those stories in your mind. And when you see a brother and sister in Christ who are struggling, tell them that story. Say, look, I've been in a place like where you are where I thought there was no way out and I was suffering and I was praying and God didn't answer the way I wanted when I wanted. But let me tell you how God has worked. Let me tell you, it took months, it took years, it took decades, but let me tell you how God worked and it was worth all of the suffering. Jesus would say that about you and I. Of all that Jesus went through to be beaten, to be mocked with the crown of thorn, to be placed on his head, to be nailed to a cross, he suffered greatly, but Jesus would say today it was worth it. He suffered so that he could spend an eternity with you and with I. Jesus, even though he was the son of God, he learned obedience through suffering. Let us learn obedience through suffering today. Verse 9. <coughs> After he was perfected. Here's another one. Every one of these verses has a little, has a little hiccup here. Uh, he learned obedience. Does that mean he was disobedient? Nope, absolutely not. After he was perfected, did that mean that he was not perfect before? Absolutely not. Jesus has been perfect for eternity. He is, as the author of Hebrews has told us, without sin. So what does it mean here in verse 9 where it says, after he was perfected? Well, I think maybe what it means here is after he completed the work that he had to do. After he completed the perfect work that he did. After in every way he served God, he came as a man. He served God in every way as he could. And he was perfect from beginning to end until his work was complete. Until his work was done. Until sin was atoned for. Until death was destroyed. Until that time, Jesus was perfect. And when his work was done, he was completely perfect in all the work that he had done up to this point. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. What a beautiful thing it is that we come here today with hope. That we come into this room today with sin in our life. We come into this room today and we feel wretched because we know what sinners we are. We know the sin that, that, that we have committed and it weighs heavy on us. But what a beautiful thing it is today that we as a bunch of sinners can come into this room and say God loves us. That you can sit in your pew today and you can say that God loves me. And maybe some of you need to say those words because sometimes the devil will convince us that there's no way that God could love us. And you question in your mind, does God love me? Can God love me? There are some of you and you need to say these words today. God loves me. God loves you. The grace of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected is good enough to cover your sins. And what comes with that? Salvation comes with that. After he was perfected, verse 9 says, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. For all who obey him. That's the key term right there. What have we just learned about it, Jesus? Is that he was obedient. And so if Jesus was obedient in his suffering and he was delivered by God because of his obedience, 
What does it say of us? That he's made a way for us so that we can have power over death, so that we can receive salvation, so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. Praise God, those are good things. But what does it call for on our part? It calls for obedience. Suffering is inevitable, but obedience is optional. You're going to suffer in this life, but whether you're going to be obedient to God is up to you. Only you can answer that question. Jesus has been obedient, and Jesus said, Hey, when you're struggling, come to me, because I've overcome and conquered everything that you struggle with. I've been there. I know I can relate to you. I've walked the walk. I've suffered in ways that you have. So therefore, come to me, Jesus said. We cannot make it on our own. But we have one who has been completely obedient to God, and that's the one that we must seek and go to when we try to live in obedience to God. There is salvation for those who obey. Let's look at another scripture here. One from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 21. If you want to flip there, you can. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 21. I'll give you a little, little backdrop. There was a king for Israel. His name was Saul. He was the first king that was appointed. And Saul was not a very good king. There were some clues along the way that he really wasn't the right man for the job. But that's the one that the people wanted. And, and so it was. Saul became king. And, and, and God had given Saul these specific instructions. All right, you got to go in. you got to destroy these folks. And you got to destroy every single thing, everything, everything, all the people, young and old, all the animals. You got to go in there and you got to destroy these people. And so Saul went in there and guess what he did? He didn't destroy all the people. He kept out some of the animals for sacrifices to the Lord. And instead of killing the king, he did not kill the king and this is not what God commanded Saul to do. And so Samuel comes onto the scene, and, and he's talking with Saul about this. And he's telling him, hey, look, this isn't what God called you to do. This is not the right thing. You weren't obedient to God. And that's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 21. For the troops took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So Samuel says, what are you doing with all these animals? Weren't you supposed to kill everything? And what is Saul? He said, well, the troops brought these back. We got the best of the best. We're going to sacrifice them to God. Now, sacrificing to God is a good thing. To sacrifice the best of the best to God is a good thing. The law called for people to make sacrifice to God and to bring the best that they could to make sacrifice to God. There's no problem with sacrificing to God, except that's not what God told Saul to do. He didn't say, Saul, go in there and kill everything and get the best and sacrifice to me. He said, go in there and destroy everything, and Saul didn't do it. Now he's making excuses. But we're doing this for the glory of God. We're offering these sacrifices for God. But Samuel's not having any of it. Neither was God. And the next verse, verse 22, he says, Then Samuel says, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat 
of rams. Even way back here in the Old Testament, what did God desire of his people? He desired obedience. And here this first king came onto the scene and he totally failed in obedience to God. Fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Guess what? A new king has come. Now all these kings in the Old Testament, some of them were better than others, but none of them were for, were, were capable of being the king that God wanted to sit on the throne forever until Jesus came onto the scene. Saul failed, many other kings failed, but Jesus was obedient. That's what God called his people to. He said, look, God cares more about your obedience than your sacrifices. We talked about David last week when he sinned. He said, God, if there was a sacrifice, I would give it. But the, what, what would you desire, dear Lord, is a humble and broken heart. There was no sacrifice in the Old Testament to atone for David's sin. What God really wanted was obedience. There was no sacrifice that God wanted from Saul here. He wanted him to be obedient. And that's what God calls you and I to today, is to be obedient. And this story of Saul is a good story for us. It's a good eye-opener for us. Because Saul, in his disobedience, lost the kingship. It was taken from him, and it was given to another. Why? Because Saul was disobedient. You go back and you read the story of Saul and you see from the get-go he wasn't really off to a good start and he stayed on a bad track throughout his kingship. But what God desires is obedience. And the danger of disobedience is very high. So we need to be careful in our life to make sure that we are being obedient to God and the things that God has called us to and the things that we see in God's word. There is salvation for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, for those who obey him. Back to the New Testament. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus says here, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Pop quiz. Here's a pop quiz. Two questions. This will be easy. Easy. You got to answer the same answer for both of them. It has to be the right answer to get it right. Question number one. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Now, hopefully you answered yes to that question. Now, question number two. This is going to determine if you pass or fail. Do you keep his commands? Do you make any effort whatsoever to keep his commands? If you say, I love Jesus, but I don't care nothing about keeping his commands, well, guess what? Maybe you don't really love Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, I don't think what Jesus is saying there, you're going to be perfect in every way and never sin. I don't think the New Testament teaches that. There's certainly sin that's going to arise in our life, and praise the Lord for the grace of God that that sin can be forgiven if we repent of that sin. But, but are we making any effort to be obedient? To God? Are we making any effort to be obedient to Jesus? How many times in our life do we say, I love Jesus, and there's some clear thing that God has showed us or taught us through Scripture, and we say, But I will not do that? Jesus says, Pray for your enemy. Jesus says, Love those who hate you. And there are some things we say, I love Jesus, but I hate that person, and I ain't going to love them. Well, those two things don't line up. 
when there are clear commands in Scripture that Jesus calls us to, and we say, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to serve in that way. I'm not going to give from what I have. I'm not going to help other people. There's hatred. There's anger. There's selfishness in my heart. And I know God says those things are wrong, but this is who I am. Well, we can't say that and say we love Jesus. Those two things do not line up. So Jesus says, and we need to listen to this today, that if we love him, we will obey his commands. Now, the first place we need to start is being in the Word of God so that we can see what the commands of God are. We need to say, okay, God, here's some area where I know you command me to love this person that's been so evil to me, and God, I'm struggling with that, so God, help me. God, I'm not where I need to be, but I want to be there. I want to be obedient. I want to do what you call me to do, but God, I need help. And God hears those prayers. God knows that we are weak. And praise the Lord, Jesus came to be like you and I so that he could be there for us in our times of weakness, so that at the proper time we can approach the throne of grace, so that we can receive grace and mercy at the proper time. For some of you today, you're at the proper time where you need the mercy of God and the grace of God and the help of God and the love of God. And you say, God, I want to follow your commands, but I'm struggling, so help me, God. If we love Jesus, he says we will keep his commands and we need to strive to do that in every way. You're, you're not going to be perfect. There are going to be times you fail. But if we're blatantly seeing commands of God and we say, I don't care anything about those commands and yet we say we love Jesus, then you might not love Jesus as much as you think you do. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says here, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? That's a good question. That's a good question. Maybe we need to ask ourselves that question from time to time. Maybe we do all the things that the Lord says. But then again, maybe there are times that we don't. So maybe we need to ask ourselves that question. Do we say, Lord, Lord, and yet not do the things that God calls us to? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, last passage today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to grace. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. The writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage his audience here. They are wanting to turn back to other things, to other ways of life, to do things the way they used to do things. And he says, look, you are part of a better kingdom. And you need to strive to live in that kingdom and to serve God with all that is in you. He says, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. That same reverence that we saw in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. That Jesus' prayers were heard because he was reverent. Because he was obedient to God. We want to be those today who are reverent to God and who are obedient to God and who seek Him with all that is in us. Praise the Lord, Jesus Christ is obedient in areas where we fail. There are plenty of areas that we could all list today that we have failed, God, 
that we have fallen into sin, and that we have found ourselves in disobedience. The author of Hebrews had just talked a great deal about that in chapter 4, about those who did not enter the promised land because of what? Because of disobedience. He's driving this point home, is that God desires for his people to be obedient. God desires obedience more than he desires for us to sit on pews and say long prayers and put money in the plate. All those types of sacrifices mean nothing if they are not from the heart, if we, if we leave this place and live in disobedience to God the rest of our life. What God desires from us today is obedience, an obedience that was shown to us by Jesus Christ, an obedience that can cover our disobedience. And so it is through Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who was fully human in every way that you and I are, who suffered, who knows how to meet you in your suffering, who is obedient and who knows how to, how to help you to be obedient and forgive your disobedience. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? Obedience is a choice. Some of, some of you today have made that choice and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. For others today, perhaps the choice is before you. Will you leave this place in obedience to God by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or will you leave this place today in disobedience? That's the choice that you have to make. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray, God, that we would find strength through Jesus. We thank you for who he is, dear Lord, and what he has done. God, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. Dear Lord, you do not always answer in the way that we ask. Sometimes you just say no to what we ask. And so be it, dear Lord, it's your will. Sometimes you answer in ways that are kind of unexpected. Dear Lord, whatever our prayers are, there are certainly many in this place. I pray, God, that when we pray, that we pray for your will, that we wait for you, dear Lord, that even if there is no understanding in our life as to why it's taken so long or, or why you answer in the way that you do, let us not waver in our faith, God. Let us not waver in our obedience to you, dear Lord, even if there is great suffering in this room. And God, maybe there are some who are suffering greatly today. I pray that you would just help them to trust you, dear Lord, to seek you, to find you. Dear Lord, I pray that they wouldn't give up on you, that they would know that there is hope in no other. God, I pray that if, you're, if your will is not to heal them from their suffering and end it in this world right now, dear Lord, that you just give them strength, that you give them grace, dear Lord, because your power is perfected in weakness your grace is sufficient. So, God, I pray that you'd give those who suffer today sufficient grace. And I pray, God, that if there are any in this room that do, know not, not, do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today that they would know that there is salvation in no other. God, that he has been perfected, that he has perfectly carried out the work on the cross, and it's through Jesus and Jesus alone that we can be forgiven of our sins today. And God, I pray that we would be those who are obedient, that we obey your commands, that we obey the commands of Scripture, that we obey Jesus Christ, dear Lord. You call us to Jesus, dear Lord. And you say that you'll forgive us and give us eternal life if we put our faith in him, dear Lord. Let us obey your call and your commands. God, maybe there's one today who's made that decision and put their faith in Jesus. God, as we sing, I pray that they'd come forward and share that with us. That we can just praise you, dear Lord. That we can baptize them just as your word has commanded, dear Lord. That we'd be obedient in that way. But God, if there are some in here today, whatever way that you may have spoken to them, if you've spoken to them today, I pray that as we sing and, and as we pray that, God, they'd respond to you today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.